0: Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions.
1: What does it mean when a company's share price falls to cheap prices and executive insiders don't buy more?
2: My question
0: is, how much of your portfolio should you put into like ETFs and mutual funds? I had a question about Dutch Bros. It's going to
3: be a new IPO.
0: And provides unbiased answers.
3: I think the bet on the raw materials that go into electric cars are going to be far better than the electric car producers.
0: Invest Talk. Across America and around the world, your participation makes it unique. 88899
2: chart This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President, KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good
3: afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, January thirteenth, twenty twenty-two edition of Invest Talk.
1: <clears throat>
3: Appreciate you all tuning in this hour. Now, market dynamics uh, over the past few days and weeks are are certainly different. Uh, they may be surprising <laughs> you, and maybe you haven't accepted that we are entering a period of change, but. You know, days like today are just another reminder that you can put the advantage in your court, or you can allow the markets to dictate the trends in your portfolio. And I know you want to succeed in 2022. 2021, 2020, they were very different markets, very unique markets. But as we transition into the new year completely, you know, we're still less than two weeks in. You probably are noticing a sea change. Uh, And that's what I'm here to help you with. To help you make smart decisions, get some perspective help you understand where the opportunities are, where the risks are. And every market is different. And no point in any market is more important than during the change that happens, the shift in trends, because a lot of people, they take the recent year, two years, three years, and they extrapolate that out. And when they're using those past few years as guideposts and the market is shifting underneath their feet, it can be disjointing, difficult, and hard to navigate. It's like moving from the ocean to the rivers, very different way to navigate different risks, different strategies. And so on this hour, I'm going to do my best as always to help you take that next step in your own version of financial freedom by making good money decisions and answering your questions and giving you perspective and data And providing it all without bias. And that's why I always use my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. Okay, so I'm Justin Klein. I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape this show. This is your show. This isn't my show. This is your show. So you can call and interact with me right now during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific time. Or you can leave a question on our anytime Invest Talk, Voice Bank. Either way, the number never changes. It's still 88.99 chart. So let's get right to our first listener question now.
1: Hello, this is Luke from New York. I'm calling about Activision. It's currently trading close to mid 60s, and I checked, and fundamentals look good. Morningstar has it valued at $97. Wanted to get your opinion on what you think about buying this stock and the valuation you may have. I will be waiting to hear. Your answer on the podcast. Thanks for all you guys do.
3: All right. Looking at Activision Blizzard. And this has been in a downtrend really since the beginning of last year. And it's acting a lot like a high multiple growth stock. And that's what it was value back then. Back then, you had revenue growth of. Thirty-eight percent year over year earnings at fifty-three percent year over year. It peaked in the third quarter of uh, that was that was the second quarter of twenty twenty. Third quarter of twenty twenty, it was at fifty-two percent re- revenue year over year. Earnings were up one hundred and thirty-two percent. So you could see the pandemic was definitely helping helping them. They make software and peripheral products for consoles, handheld devices, PCs. They make games, and when everyone's locked in their home. Uh, they have a lot more time to spend on gaming. Now that has kind of unwound almost completely. Now earnings this year are expected to be flat from last year of $3.80. Mm-hmm. Now that still would be uh, right at an all-time high. But now this is down about 38.6%. And earnings expectations continue to be lowered for the year. And that's the worry is that how low will they go? Once we get back to a normalized economy, remember, it's very likely that Omicron is the end of the pandemic, very likely it's going to spread. Uh, It's this month pretty much is going to be all over the world. And I don't think anybody isn't going to get it for the most part, but it's going to be a cold like a lot of the other coronaviruses and most people aren't going to die. The the, the death rates are drastically lower than Delta. And so we are emerging by, I think, six months from now, we going to be very similar to pre-pandemic economy and world. And so you have to invest accordingly. Now, that's the worry here with Activision, is that it will continue to trend lower. And I don't see any major support until about 40 bucks, now, 6417. Now it's starting to get a little bit of strength. I will say that uh, it's starting to show that it could be bottoming. Um, so our our value is similar to Morningstar's like you said, there's is 92. Um, so I do think it is undervalued. But the trends and earnings are likely to weigh on the stock in the near term. So I wouldn't be if you're trying to pick bottom, I, I wouldn't be excited that this is the bottom um, because of those trends and earnings. But I do think it is undervalued. Uh, and I like the the overall company. And so from a long term perspective, it's a buy short to medium term, I would still be relatively bearish on it. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline, three things retirees should watch in 2022. We're going to talk about certain mar- market dynamics and how they will affect retirees, specifically inflation, interest rates, spending, all of that. And we're going to dig into a case of potentially a bad market environment, how that might materialize early in retirement, and whether that will have an impact on the way retirees should think about their retirement. So we're going to look at that. Also, CFOs, there's an interesting roundtable and sat down with a bunch of big CFOs And they spewed their guts about what they're worried about. Remember, CFOs are, are, are vital to how capital is allocated within a business. And so they're seeing everything that's happening, revenues, uh, expenses, and they, they, they're, they're the ones advising, uh, CEOs, COOs on how the capital should be deployed within the business. Uh, and so, uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see what they have to say. Also, as we move into a more normal economy, the stock market is likely returned to normal. But what does that mean exactly? So we're going to look at that. And then, lastly, the Biden administration is trying to is trying to address inflation, and we're going to look at their. Tactics and whether the underlying economic forces will ultimately win out or will they have uh, an impact in some way? So, we're going to look at that as well. Let's take a look at the market today. We had a huge down day in growth stocks, large cap growth down 3.88%. And this is what I was saying in the beginning of the year was that the the fallout in the Ponzi sector and your, your kind of mid and small cap companies who uh, were struggling to uh, get to profitability, learn, burning a lot of capital in order to grow, they peaked early in 2021. And a lot of them are already down going into this year, 50, 60, 70%. Well, guess what? Next up are your big, large-cap names, your big, the fang names, right? Facebook, down 2% today. Amazon, down 2.5% today. Netflix, down over 3% today. Uh, Let's see, Google, or Alphabet, shall you call it, uh, down a little over 2%. So you're seeing the selling concentrate a lot more in the large cap growth names, which is interesting because small cap growth is only down 2.2%. Mid cap only down 3%, large cap down 3.88. Small cap value up 6 tenths of 1%. Mid cap value up five, uh, about half a percent. So huge dichotomy in the markets today with the broad indices down uh, about one and a half percent. Now we're moving into a quick break and i'm here ready to take your finance and investment questions and this is your chance to get your question in and interact with me as i craft a good answer to your situation call InvestDoc stock 888 chart you've got
0: a portfolio to grow and protect and this is no time to lose focus so, get your finance and investment questions together and call Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. They're ready with their unbiased answers. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart.
1: Hello. Calling
0: to ask about Customers Bank Corp Incorporated. That's uh, C U B I. I've owned it for. Mm, Maybe only six or seven months. It's run up quite a bit to uh, be in the whole regional bank, uh, you know, play that you guys were talking about. Just wondering if I should hold on to it a little longer, or like if I should consider trimming. I don't know. I, I was potentially going to wait till June, but I was wondering if that's going to be too long of a too long of a wait, and it might uh, get away from me by then. Looking forward
3: to your feedback. Thanks. Bye. All right, this is Customer Bank Corp., a regional bank out of Pennsylvania. They have about 20 bank offices, not a huge company, $2.3 billion market cap, but growing at a nice clip. Earnings in 2021 for the full year are expected to be up 144%. Now, that will come a bit down to earth this year, supposed to earn $6.43, but that would still be the second highest amount of earnings on record pre-pandemic they're only making $2.29 in 2019. So, oh, uh, basically triple those earnings still expected for this year. <clears throat> but the stock has reflected that. It's low during the pandemic was in the high single digits and now it's at $71.82, about 5.7% off its 52-week high, which you've had, you know, a little bit of a pullback here. But the it's powering higher. So, I would I would hold it. Uh, the technicals are fine. I like regional banks. If interest rates continue to go up and you don't see the yield curve flattening anymore, then this will probably continue to do well. What I would do is I would use the 50-day moving average. Currently, that's at 6143. Obviously, each day that goes by that it's above it, it's going to kind of grind higher. But it found support there in early or mid-December, And bounced right off of it and catapulted to new highs. So... I like the space. The fundamentals are not out of line, even though earnings are expected to decelerate. Uh, but I, I like that you're thinking about this, that, hey, these things are cycles. They, they, they come and they go. Uh, and if the yield curve does flatten, the positivity around banking is going to wane. And so you certainly want to keep your eye out. Uh, and I would be using the 50-day moving average. Close below that, I would be out. Now we're moving into a break. I will return with my focus point and your questions here on Best Talk 8899 chart.
0: InvestTalk Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes and be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review
3: comments. Let's go to James in New York, wants to talk about Amazon.
2: Uh, yes, I was looking to. Add to my position to Amazon, um, I currently hold about a 2.5% position, and I was wondering maybe when a good level to add might be. I know it's still expensive despite dropping, but I'm interested in that for the long term.
3: Uh, right now, it's at about $3,200 per share. It's below all the major moving averages. It's did terrible today, so it's a good example of what's uh, what's to come. Uh, In 2022 is the selling, like I said, the top of the show, the selling in your Ponzi stocks, your mid to small cap growth names is going to spread into the larger cap names. And that's what's happening down 2.4% today. It's trading at still 60 times 2022 expected earnings. 60 times. So is Amazon worth 60 times earnings? Mm, I don't think so. Not in my mind. So, I'm going to, I, I think this is not a buy until 2000. It's at 3,200 now. So, I would not be adding to it here. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline three things retirees should consider in 2022. Now, we often hear about inflation and the spending part of inflation but you have to look at both sides of the ledger. It's not just about your expenses going up, but are is your income going up commensurately? Now, if your entire income generation is from a pension that is inflation adjusted, then inflation really isn't a big issue for you. Because that source is tied to inflation, as long as that inflation adjustment is fairly accurate. Then you also have the other end of the spectrum, somebody who relies completely on income from their investments in retirement. Maybe you have money parked in CDs, bonds. Well, those are the people that will be most hurt by inflation in retirement their purchasing power eaten up because their payouts are typically fixed now most retirees fall somewhere in the middle you have social security which is supposed to be inflation protected but they're also withdrawing something from their iras their 401k's their portfolios so making sure that you are keeping up with the income side is very important now, how do you do that? What sort of, sort of tools are there? Well, the first would be on the fixed income side, tips and I bonds. We've talked about this before. I bonds, $10,000 a year. It's max, but it's something. Tips as well. It's a safer bet, hedge against inflation, but not perfect, but still something. Better than treasuries, for example. Well, it's under Appreciated as stocks. Stocks tend to overearn. They have a lot of fixed costs. Think of rent on a building, or their payments uh, on bonds, whatever it is. If prices in the economy in general are going up, those fixed costs tend to stay flat, at least in the near term, and they overearn. Their margins go up, and you can see that with uh, with corporate margins today. So they're not a direct hedge on inflation. In fact. Um, uh, there there can be periods where too much inflation is bad for stocks but over long periods of time they do help to protect portfolios from inflation now what are the best types of stocks well dividend growth stocks those that can grow their dividend over time and keep up with that inflation that keep up with that inflation growth another is commodities it's one category very volatile but commodities can also be a great hedge against inflation, real estate, another category that also typically is good for an inflationary environment. Not so good, non-dividend paying, high, multiple, low cash flow companies. And you're seeing that in the market today. Now the bond side, a lot of people think, oh, I should just shun bonds. Well, that's not the case either because sometimes Bonds can still be a good ballast against market volatility, stock market volatility. And so you don't want to throw them completely overboard, but you want to be smart about it, like shortening duration and taking more credit risk. It's better to take credit risk in this market than duration risk, meaning it's better to try to get extra yield by taking a little bit more credit risk uh, companies that are, Uh, not quite as good of credits instead of going out longer and exposing yourself to duration risk, interest rate risk. Okay. And then, then you have to look at withdrawal rates now because interest rates are low because generally the market is expensive. How do you approach that? The general rule is 4%, but if you take 4% out and going into a bad market environment, that can mean bad things long-term. So it's very important to sit down with a professional like myself and create a financial plan and make sure that you are good in all scenarios based on your expected withdrawal rate. Now we're heading into a break, and I'm taking your calls live at 888-99-SHARK. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices well you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply at this point i think almost everyone has heard how generative ai No two portfolios are alike, and every
0: investor has a unique set of circumstances. The best way to get answers that correspond with your situation is for you to submit your questions to Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. The 24-hour listener line never closes, so don't forget to call Talk 888-99-CHART.
3: Now, when people take the time to leave an talk podcast review on iTunes, we like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. So let's talk to some iTunes reviewers. jhobo1234 says, could I please get your thoughts on CMP? Have a small position currently and thinking about adding, but would love your opinion. This is Center Point Energy. This is a utility. Provides gas and electric utility services to 3.5 million gas and uh, 2.6 million electricity customers in Texas. I like that this is in Texas. There's population growth there. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of that. A lot of people moving there. And that's typically good for the utilities. to get more customers, more home building, etc. Now, earnings last year looks artificially high, but kind of getting back the trend this year. But unfortunately, down from 2019 earnings and 2018 earnings. Uh, Supposed to be $1.43 in 2021 and $1.41 in 2022. So I don't love that. I don't love that this is uh, having downward earnings revisions uh, in this environment. Uh, Looks like... Oh, so they have... It's divesting its midstream assets. Okay. So that's what's happening here. A lot of these utilities aren't pure play utilities, especially the natural gas ones. A lot of times they have... Uh, side businesses, midstream uh, assets where they're transporting natural gas and making money off that, kind of like your MLPs. And it looks like Centerpoint is selling theirs to energy transfer. So maybe that could be the reason for that downward revision. So these are things you have to look at and why there might be a decline in earnings. Yields 2.5%. I like the chart. Uh, but utilities overall have been relatively strong and near a fifty-two week high, although they're uh, they have at a recent pullback. Uh, you know, I like this space now that I think interest rates are likely to be lower six months from now as opposed to higher. And and so, uh, but the problem is just valuation. I think it's still overvalued. Um, I like that you're looking in this space but not a fan of center point itself. Jaggy says, wonder if you could evaluate the stock Teneco T E N trying to figure out if there's a reason I'm missing not to go ahead and pull the trigger on this. Uh, thanks for you. Thanks for all you guys do okay. appreciate it. They make automotive clean ride performance products for OEM manufacturers. So they are an OEM Supplier. And the upside expectation is that car companies will be able to start to produce a lot more models than they have over the past year and a half. There's been uh, chip shortage. We talked about that. And that hurts all the OEM manufacturers or OEM part manufacturers that can produce enough goods. Like they can they can supply it, but hey, they don't have enough chips. So the demand from the uh, the, the car builders is a lot lower, and that's why they lost forty four cents in twenty twenty. So let's make two dollars and twenty six cents in twenty twenty one for the full year, and this year it's supposed to make four dollars and fifty nine cents. That's still not back to pre pandemic levels. Two thousand eighteen, they made six dollars and twenty eight cents, but twenty nineteen, they made two dollars ninety eight. I, I want to know why that was declining going into the pandemic. You know, a year before the pandemic, they were struggling. Uh, and the stock was in a downtrend. And so I'd really need to know that that has been fixed. Did they lose a big contract? Did they lose a manufacturer? Why is that? Now, one thing I like about the, this name is that is that they... They make products that are still going to be needed, whether it's electric or not. They make ride control systems, braking, steering, that still is needed in an electric car. So I like that. 40% of the revenue comes from North America, 37% from Europe, 18% from China, 5% from other regions. So they're well diversified. Let me look a bit at their... Cash flows, so the long-term profitability, because that—that's that, what you really have to look at right now, especially these cyclical companies that are disrupted by a lot of uh, the supply chain issues. What are their what's their long-term profitability look like? In pre-pandemic, they were doing well from the early 2010s into kind of 2019. And once again, I really want to know 2019. They had struggled, and I would really need to know why that happened and, and whether that's been fixed. And if if I'm comfortable with that, then I think it's a buy because longer term their profitability is fairly strong. Let's go to Robert in Vancouver, Washington, looking at Airbnb. Hi,
1: can you hear me? I can, yes. Okay, so I'm just wondering like the stocks was like peaking like around like two twenty or getting or getting there, I think. Um, until like the whole Omicron bearing happened. Do you think like now with this very clearing out, um, they're gonna be releasing earnings at the end of next month? Do you think they're gonna be heading back up, trending back up? This is a good time to get
3: in? <clears throat> no, not at all. I mean, this is a company that still uh, is just barely break, breaking into positive earnings territory. This year is supposed to make a dollar a share. And it's a hundred sixty-six dollar stock, a hundred sixty-six times earnings. This is a high multiple growth stock. And it's going to continue to have multiple contraction. Now, could they grow their earnings and, and start to grow into this, uh, this, the share price? Sure. But the chart's not telling me that market trends aren't telling me that it did terrible today. It was down over 2% or sorry. Yeah. 2%. So this is right in the heart of the, uh, the, the high multiple growth stocks and, Our fair value is closer to $50 per share. Now it's at 166. So no, I don't think uh, that it's going to change because the mid large cap growth is starting to trend a lot like smaller cap growth has done over the past year. uh, And this is going to converge with it. I like the company, but at $50, not $166 per share today. Thanks for the call. Now, let's touch on why the market is getting back to normal. I really need to hammer this home, especially to our new listeners. We've had a lot of new listeners since the pandemic. We've almost doubled our listenership over that time period. And a lot of those listeners are new to investing. And so I want to shed some light on... Some indicators that the market is getting back to normal. The first thing would be that share price is irrelevant again. Let me repeat that. Share price is irrelevant again. Now, what I mean by that, if you chart just stocks based on the price that they trade at, you know, dollar, one dollar to two dollars, uh two dollars to three dollars, etc., on up. In early in January of twenty twenty one. The best stocks had the lowest price. It was a clear correlation between the general actual price that they trade for and how well they did. And what that means is people were chasing penny stocks. And that is a clear indication that those most uninformed about markets were most active. And if you listen to the show for any length of time, you know the actual price of a share means nothing on its own, only in relation to its business, its earnings, its cash flow, etc. So the strongest determinant of performance a year ago was raw price. Nothing to do with value. And this had to do with individual traders who were had yet to learn the basics. Well, so far this year. It's very all over the place, as it should be. There should be no general correlation to what the pri- overall price of the stock that it's trading at is and whether the what the performance is. The worst areas, stocks that trade over $100 a share and stocks that trade between $2 and $3 a share. No, no real correlation. That's a good thing. So that's one way the market's getting back to normal. Another is... Speculators in early 2021 bet on popular themes. Green energy, cannabis, electric vehicles, crypto, SPACs, meme stocks like GameStop and AMC. Those are coming undone. ARC is down 8% so far this year. ETFs tracking SPACs and clean energy are off 5% and 7% respectively. And a lot of the electric car companies are have also been hit. And the meme stocks, a lot of them are down 40% from last year's high. Next, valuations matter again. Last year, growth stocks still beat value stocks, not by a lot. 27.6% for growth stocks, 25.2% for the value index. So a modest beat there. But so far this year, value stocks are up. Growth stocks are down. And this could be bringing us back to a pattern that we saw in the 90s. When generally higher bond yields were bad for stocks and lower was good. Why? Because back then higher yields likely indicated concern about inflation, but since kind of 2007, that has changed. And so the, the correlations in the market are starting to look a lot more like pre financial crisis. Than post financial crisis. And that's, that's a good thing. So, this permanent, sh- it, you know, if there is a permanent shift in this relationship, it'll definitely make it harder to construct a low risk portfolio because bonds won't provide quite the offset as they did before. So, those are some ways that the market is returning to normal. And I always say, I I love market history. I study, I've studied every single decade of the stock market going back into the 1800s. What booms were there? What busts were there? What trends were there? Like a lot of people know the nifty fifties of the 1960s. What was the general theme? What was the attitude of investors? What did the central bank do? What misallocation did that cause? And so every market is different. And now that we're shifting into a post-pandemic, a post-financial crisis world, you have to start using different analogs to understand the market that we're in. Let's go to Sid in Toronto looking at Apple. Hi,
1: Justine. Good evening. Happy New Year. You too. Uh, quick do. question about Apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think two years back, I listened, uh, and I was a beginner at that time listening to your show, and I followed some of your advice. Uh, my question about Apple is that uh, today I have almost 40% of my portfolio in this one stock with almost 300% growth.
3: You said 40, 4 Okay.
1: Uh, it is because of the growth, multi-fold growth. My average mm-hmm. price is $56, today it's 170 plus. So it's because of the multiple growth, uh, mm-hmm. right now it's 40%. Mm-hmm. In my positions, would you consider of uh, selling something uh, to de-risk or you think I should be holding without anybody?
3: Yeah, you definitely want to be trying to find ways to reduce that. Is this in a taxable account?
1: Yes, it is under okay. taxable account.
3: So clearly, you have to take into account that the tax uh, implications of selling and reducing your position. It's it's an unfortunate. It's it's I wouldn't say an unfortunate. It's a fortunate thing you made money, uh, but at the end of the day, you still have to pay taxes on it. And so you want to try to manage out of that forty percent of your portfolio. That's way too high, especially in the tech space. Tech space tends to move fast and, and anything could disrupt Apple. Now Apple I think is oh, of the Fang names. It is the strongest. It is the best company. It has uh, the best franchises. I think it has uh, the, the best business of them all. It is a little bit overvalued here, but anything can happen in the tech space. Maybe there's something that comes out that disrupts what the iPhone is and its popularity. And that would be, drastically change the prospects of the business. They did that to research emotion back in two thousand, was it seven? And so you have you can't have 40% of your portfolio in one name. There's too much risk there. But once again, there are tax consequences to this. And talking to your CPA, making sure you're comfortable with that, you want to bring that down. Now it doesn't have to be immediately, but it should be a plan to slowly bring that down over time hopefully to 10 percent at most of your overall portfolio thanks for the call now we're starting a new year and you may not uh have gone through the process of aligning your portfolio with our current reality and your risk tolerance level but you need to and this is a good time to remind you that if you need help you're having trouble with it this is what we do. We help clients, we help listeners understand their, the risk, the strategy and get in the line so that it's able to succeed in this market environment. So if you want help, reach out to us at KPP financial, where we operate with the same philosophy, Flame. Same philosophy, excuse me, as we do here, independent thinking and shared success. And what we do is we provide unbiased guidance both on and off air, and we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. Just send us a message through investstock.com or call our KP Financial Office at 800 557 5461. We're heading into a break, so give me a call at 800 557 5461. Your objective
0: is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck, because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call
3: 888-99-CHART. Hi, Justin. Hi, Steve. This is Sharon from Colorado. Question about PLTM. This is the
2: Granite Shares Platinum Trust. Paul, Luke, Tom, Mary. Uh, I just wanted to get your opinion to get a position in, and if so, what the number would be. Love the show. Listen to it all the time. And please keep up the good work.
3: This is PLTM, the Granite Shares Platinum Trust. It's an ETF seeking performance corresponding to the price of platinum plus the trust expenses, which are about 0.5% per year. So this is just a straight-up platinum play. I don't love platinum. It's not at the top of my list, they'll say that, when it comes to commodity exposures. So I don't get excited from that perspective. I think there's a lot of other interesting opportunities in the commodity space besides this. Now, I will say, if I look at the weekly chart, it isn't as some support. It's down about 27% from its 52-week high. And... Looks to be finding a double bottom here. So technically, I'm. It it is interesting. I could use the out of early last uh, last month, and that might be a good risk versus reward. I'll say that. Uh, but I don't think any dynamics around the platinum industry that get me excited. But the chart does look interesting on a weekly basis and uh, commodities as a whole. So I'm kind of eh on it, but... The chart is firming up here. 8899 chart, 889924278. Let's touch on CFOs. What are they thinking about this year? This is always important. This is a roundtable with the Wall Street Journal, and they touched on various aspects that they're really concerned about. First is regulatory pushes, push around private companies valued at over a billion dollars. That's certainly on the securities regulators watch list because there's a lot more companies that uh, have huge valuations, raising capital at uh, hundreds of millions of dollars valuations, billion dollar valuations, unicorns, especially in the tech space, that they're not subject to the same disclosures as public companies. And that's one reason why they don't go public is they don't want to go through that process. And so their regulators are pushing a lot of them potentially to, to disclose more. Number two is crypto and ESG accounting. How are assets like digital assets and carbon offsets accounted for on balance sheets? And the Financial Accounting Standard Board is actually looking at this and whether to add these projects to their technical agenda to determine setting certain standards. Remember accounting standards, just you can only create accounting standards on things that you understand and you have clear rules around, but as economies evolve, markets evolve, new things come, come on that you couldn't understand and and plan around before and create, create real rules. And so the that will be a big shift, I think, uh here in the next few years. Also, a lot of CFOs are eyeing buybacks. Why? Because they have a lot of money sitting on the sidelines. Nielsen, for example, they're evaluating whether to repurchase shares for the first time since 2018. Originally, over the past few years, they've been trying to focus on paring down their debt. And it's dropped from eight point one billion to five point five billion over the last three years. But they still have money left on uh, their share repurchase authorization. Still there, and so a lot of companies are thinking about this. Is uh, especially those that have lo- a lot of cash flow and relatively low, low multiples. Still, they're looking to buy back shares. Another thing, tax concerns. There's the, the Build Back Better plan. There's a proposal to a proposal to impose a fifteen percent minimum tax as well as interest deduction limits. And this actually comes with the 2017 tax bill under President Trump. And that takes effect this year. So that's going to impact earnings on those companies that have substantial amounts of debt. And the last thing was inflation. Raising prices to counter the rising costs of labor and shipping costs and input costs. Well, that about does it. I'm Justin Klein. This is Another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads now closing in on 38 million. Thanks to you. Get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and be sure to rate and review on iTunes. And if you leave a question with your review, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night.